I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. Personality is like a cup of coffee, extra strength, and sometimes a little extra hot. I'm a dude. Thanks for letting me hang out with you ladies. <laughs> okay. Mine was bad. Mine was like, I, 
I said in 30 words what I could have said in four. Um, so on that note, you guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 171. Very normal. Very cash. And I am so excited to be joined by someone who I'm actually doing a little bit of a pod swap with. So you're hearing him on Andy's Girls. I'm going to be on his pod next week. It is none other than Ryan Bailey, the host of So Bad, It's Good with Ryan Bailey. Ryan Bailey, welcome to Andy's Girls and the People's People's Quarantine Style Couch Kiki. <laughs> How are you? What up, Andy Girls Nation? What up? <laughs> 171. Lucky 171. That's a, woo. That's a, I'm good. I'm good. I just had a, a large coffee. It's a Saturday. I cannot complain at all. I just I yes. just rewatched uh, Beverly Hills and New York. I love that this is our life where I'm like researching Beverly Hills, like you like taking intense notes. I didn't study this hard during school, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, this is we are all in like the class of life, and I'm just trying to get a passing grade at the end of the day. What can that I feels say, like guys? another housewife opening. That feels like maybe we'll use that. Wait, wait, wait. Can maybe. I, wait I get another one. It's better to <laughs> ask. It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a classic. Ryan Bailey. That's a, that's a philosophy as well as a tagline, which most good taglines should be. So Ryan Bailey, you reached out to me a hot second ago and said, Sarah would love to have you on the pod. And then I didn't respond for about six years. And then I yeah, responded. That was like, that was like by the way, months ago, months. And I was, I remember <laughs> when you, I remember when you responded back, I was hiking in LA and I was like sweating. Oh, no. And then I was like, Oh, she, and I was trying to open, but like with sweaty hands, it won't hit. And I was like, need to reply immediately. Like, it's, I think this is like nuclear codes or something. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta do this now. Well, my thing with email is that I either respond literally in 15 seconds or I genuinely forget to respond for weeks. And it's one of those things like I'm that awful person that has like 50,000 emails in my inbox because I never actually organize them. So I'm just waiting for it to explode and light on fire. Ooh, that might be a tomorrow thing. That's Instagram um, DMs for me. Like I if it's like immediate, yes. I can do it. But then they they keep going down. Yes. I wish. They had it by dates or something. And then I keep putting on my to-do list, respond to all DMs. But then you start responding to DMs and then they respond right back. So it just adds further to that list. So then you're just like, and you're, it's like so self-important. Like who the F cares if I respond to a DM? But in my head, I was like, I got to respond to everything. No, I think it's really important. And my thing is with DMs, I wish that you could search by word because I remember when people like, I'll read it relatively quickly and then... I forget to respond and then I search for it after like I've responded in my head like instinctively, which is always super smart. Um, But I forget to actually send a response back. And then later I'm like, wait, I forget what handle it was. So to try to figure that out when you remember some of the content, but not the handle. Guys, um, Joseph Instagram, if you're listening, we have some thoughts (laughs) and feels. Hey, that Where's one your... that one girl that didn't like Rinna, please hit me back up. I <laughs> I I have an important thing I need to tell you. Yeah. And listen, that'll be super easy because there is only one person out there, <laughs> wink wink, that doesn't like Rinna right now. So that'll be absolutely Dude, no problem I am to find. Fu- I am fuming. Like I watched that episode again today, literally smoke coming out of my ears, and like I am so angry at Rinna this season. Like. I just hate that it like this is sports for me. I'm not into actual sports, but I now watch it like sports where I'm like, Rinna's not having a good season. We can all see it. Will she get to the finish line? Will she get to the playoffs? Will will it like something's gonna come back on Rinna next season? It has to. 
I mean, I love the sports comparison because I remember I was on a motherfucking date with someone and he was like, blah, 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 housewives. He thought it was a joke. And I said, like, I'm going to murder you. And <laughs> except, we, except we dated for like wait, wait, several wait. more weeks. That's horrible. <laughs> I'm going to motherfucking kill you. I'm going to motherfucking kill you. He tried to like critique it. And I said, you've come to the wrong place, sir. Um, But he at one point compared it to. I think the WWE and I was like, how dare you? That's so disrespectful. Like, <laughs> don't compare it to like scripted, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then I was talking to friend of the show, Brian Moylan, and oh, he directly so compared it. He's so good. And he co- directly compared it to the WWE. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense when you say it. When you say it, I get it. I agree with it. I understand it. But when someone who doesn't know the Housewives tries to make some sort of comparison to like performance sport, I get slightly uncomfortable because I'm thinking, like, you're not getting the layers here. You're not totally understanding the community, except that there are a lot of comparisons to this kind of fandom in the sense that it never really leaves you. Like, regardless of whether this team is playing or this one's on TV, you're still unpacking it, and there's also – constant news in real time who's getting a re-signed contract who's out and maybe needs to take a little bit of a break like yeah who's leading the pack with this there are comparisons it is like what i i don't know what i don't really i check out any time my friends say fantasy football from but Mm -hmm. from my understanding is that it's exactly kind of like housewives of like you're critiquing the off-season performance uh, I'm seeing that this like this athlete is injured. I'm seeing, and it's the same with you know we're seeing like this this week. You know, yeah, Danica Dow fought, filed that lawsuit against her her ex, and you're like, ooh, mm-hmm. that's going to be an interesting thing potentially next season if they come back. Like mm-hmm. you're you're constantly now if you get involved in this universe, you're story editing, you're critiquing, you're putting pieces together. You're you're I mean the audience is now you find this too right is that they're so smart. Everybody is totally. so brilliant at this stuff. So the, smart. The people I've met because of this podcast, I'm like, this is like a geek's heaven. Oh, 100%. And so li- thinking and talking a little bit about all things podcasting, when and how did you come up with the concept behind So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, Mr. Uh, Ryan Bailey? <laughs> uh, I, I originally did a Kardashian podcast, and uh, it was a duo podcast. That stopped, and then I was like, I didn't think I would do it again, and I didn't think I could pull off Wait, a solo show. Wait, what was show. the name of the Kardashian pod? It was called Realizing Stuff. It was oh. like, yeah, it was like back in the day, and it was like about a year and a half ago or something. We did that for like a year and a half, and that was a lot of fun, but I never thought I could do a solo podcast, and then I really missed it. I just missed kind of doing mm-hmm. that and, and, and talking to people about like-minded uh, things, and then I started it, and I just fell in love with it, but these are like long-form pods. They'll be like four-and-a-half-hour episodes where I'll do multiple guests. I grew up on talk radio, so like that's okay. what, that's the vibe I want is there's timestamps, so if you don't like, if you want to, if Sarah's on next week and you're like, I heard mm-hmm. Sarah this week, it'd be a big mistake to skip her, but if you want to, you can do that. If you don't want to hear my solo bits... If you don't want to hear my parents on there, if you don't want to hear the music I play, you can skip past to any section you want. It's really idiotic and a death knell in terms of podcasting because people like small things. This is just something that I've kind of grew fascinated with and we'll see. But it's like 50 episodes and it's like the it's the best. I got to say it's the best thing I've done. Um, it's the top 10 best things I've done in my life. Like it really is. Wow. It really. No, I mean, like you like the people I get to talk to. The guests, mm-hmm. the friends I've made, because like I've made actual friends, like not just like inner, like uh, this has changed my life in so many ways. And I'm not even 
I'm not I'm not blowing that out of, pro- out of proportion. Like I just I get to talk to like I get to hear people's stories. Like people trust me with like you know a lady's mom had cancer the other day and, mm-hmm. and reached out to me and I put her in touch with my mom who has cancer. Mm-hmm. I, I re- like you you get to like be a part of something that as just an actor, I've never been a part of. And that's crazy because, you know, as actors, that's all we were in high school. I was mm-hmm. that theater kid and that was all community. Mm-hmm. And this to me reminds me of high school theater in the best way. <laughs> I mean, it can be sometimes bad, but like it, it's the best way, like a great, great community. I agree with you. And I feel like, you know, I went to college and studied musical theater performance. And I always tell people I got my degree in thinking and feelings and like thoughts and feelings. And, that kind of ethos I think carries really well for podcasting but especially what hopefully really well for podcasting but especially well with housewives where my interest in frame of mind is based around understanding and impact unpacking the behaviors of these women like why are you choosing to do that thing you did are you actually trying to represent yourself or something someone told you to say the manner in which you're responding to people online is very different from how you're um, behaving on camera. And, you know, I, those are the kinds of conversations that I want to have. And I also feel like it's such a personal take on all things housewives that the Andes girls community, I think is especially close because we're like cutting way, 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 way down deep. And so in order to do that, you have to be, vulnerable and open about yourself and your own kind of like system and frame of thought and and thinking which is why you know exactly as you said when it comes to community stuff you know talking to people throughout the day on days where I'm posting episodes and outside of that is helpful for me because I want to understand someone else's frame of mind I want to unpack um how they're expressing themselves to me and how I express myself on you know all of these recordings it's all kind of connected at the end of the day and it also connects us to each other so that regardless of whether or not you know you've met up IRL there's definitely a friendship and bond there that exists and and deepens with time what's that stand by me quote like I'll I'll never have friends like the ones I had uh, when I was 12 years old Mm, and I feel like that I feel like that right now is that we'll never have friends like the ones that we met online through this period of time and I you know I've learned so much because of all of the people listening and the people on Instagram that I mm-hmm. never would have had the opportunity to learn about. Uh, I am a straight white male and that, you know, I, I, that is like the thing where it's like, I would never, if I wasn't in this, if I wasn't in like, this, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like I just, I wouldn't be yeah. able to actually hear these views. It wouldn't have been in my purview. Like I wouldn't have, un- and unfortunately I wouldn't have searched it out. So the fact mm-hmm. that like this can be eye opening to anybody is like, mm-hmm. wait, we get to make fun of these ladies but also go deeper than that and potentially critical think and then potentially tie it into like right now it's like intersecting with our actual world. You know, Mm -hmm. like we, we went through so many, we, we are going through so many things right now and to see that Mm -hmm. intersected with this Bravo uh, community is, is just very interesting. But like, even like the even like that Potomac, I keep thinking about that scene this week with um, Giselle's uh, kids where with the dad mm-hmm. on the phone and was like, mm-hmm. well, I feel like dad's performative with you where like he'll call us just to impress you. And I was like, those right. that's a do- I mean, like, that's a deep thought. Those kids like that's yeah. a real, real moment. 
that like, you know, T'Challa is funny and all that stuff, but that's a real moment. Like that, I, I'm fascinated by that. Cause like, that's gonna like, that's real feelings right there. Yeah. From the mouths of babes. I mean, a lot of the emotional maturity that we'll see exhibited, you know, look at um, how we've seen Avery Singer throughout the years and how she's held her mom accountable since she was like nine. I mean, it's there's something to be said for looking at these women as housewives, as in some, although not many at this point, uh, in their relationships with their husbands or partners, if they are in fact married, and also really as like parents and moms and how they interact with their kids and more importantly, how their kids are looking at their parents' behaviors and watching that. I mean, it's like when you think about the levels, if you're a housewife and you're Giselle, you've joined this TV show, you're talking about relationships and maybe coming back together with your husband, which is a whole other thing, plus your relationships with these other people, plus you are still also a human person, then you're interacting with your kids knowing that your kids are going to be shown a certain way on camera and that they're also going to hold you to account in a different way than like Karen could, and then the rest of the world gets to watch and have an impression. So like... If I, as an audience member, am like, what the fuck is happening with Jamal? And then the kids are like, we don't get why you're dating our father. He's a piece of shit. When Giselle (laughs) watches the show, I wonder, like, what is her first perspective? Like, what does she go to first? Because she's a real person. She's a mom. And she's a cast member on TV who also has a vested interest in saying on the show, is she looking, is she keeping weighing this the same? Like, does she look at her kids in the moment? And then when she walks it back, are those two different experiences that she's having? Or is it the same thing where she understands and respects them, but may not agree? Or is she not hearing them? And then when we as you know, hundreds of thousands of people are sliding into her DMs being like, hi, we agree with all of your kids. Please listen to them or us. I wonder how that changes, if at all, you know, how she's thinking about all of this. Because, again, these are ostensibly, hopefully, fingers crossed, especially with her, real things happening. We'll also add into the fact that this scene was filmed over a year ago. So think mm-hmm. about any progress that was made in that year. It adds a whole nother level of it because then it brings it back to what those kids were thinking about at the time. Those kids are watching it back, reopening those potential wounds that might have been healed. There adds like a whole nother level of darkness to that because it's like this was filmed so long ago that I always wonder if like real progress that had been made in real situations once cameras stop rolling, how that affects it when those, you know, like we see it right now, like any season, like the New York ladies like you know Mm -hmm. they get to see them talk shit about each other and talking heads and then it's like well that really reopens a wound for me and now I'm mad at you Ramona Singer you know yeah uh, Kyle was talking about it on the after show for Beverly Hills this week where she's like you know we came Dorit and I sort of came to a point of understanding and then I started watching the episodes and watching the way she was talking about my business or my company and she's like that is really difficult to watch. Like that's difficult for me. That's difficult for my partners. And P.S. I like 100% agree with Dorit. But <laughs> I feel like it's that is a Buga challenge. <laughs> hey, Dorit's room. <laughs> Can I tell you? As soon as I'm allowed to fly, 
I am going oh. many places, but I'm going to LA and I'm stealing oh. three to five plastic lemons and I am flying straight back home. Like <laughs> 100%. I do a bit on my podcast every week where I do a fantasy about taking all of the podcast listeners <gasps> to Booga de Beppo. So I say, uh, we rent we rent the largest party bus known to man, which holds over yes. a thousand people. We <laughs> And it, it's, it picks us up in LA and Dorit's room is in Encino. That's the valley, you guys. And uh, that takes a while. So we're partying on the party bus. And then yes. we get there. We approach the door guy and we say, is there is there room for a thousand in Dorit's room? And mm-hmm. he lets us in because he knows Obviously. about the podcast. And everybody puts me on their shoulders and they're like, yay. Yay, yay, Dorit's room, Dorit's room. Uh, I'm very, in fact, this week, I do a bit where I've called different uh, Buca de Beppo locations and ask if they have a Dorit's room. Oh, yeah. It turns out there's only one Dorit's room in Encino. Wow. Oh, my God. She's just a singular presence. And that design aesthetic, my word. I can't, like, to me, that is the beauty of the humor of the housewives is you would have never thought in a million, trillion, billion years I would have never guessed Buca de Beppo. Like the fact that Dorit walked into a Buca de Beppo and says, I need to put my stamp on this. That's like if I went into a Taco Bell and was like, how do we Ryanize this a little bit more? Like, I mean, <laughs> who would even who would even think of doing that? Like, that's amazing. I mean, it's fantastic. It's also showing, you know, how she will be able to how she tries to utilize her relationships, obviously, with like the owner of Buca de Beppo, who owns, you know, hotels and such and figures out, okay, this is a partnership that I guess makes sense for me. But even if it doesn't, let's talk on camera and then see if maybe down the line I can monetize it or maybe the monetization comes from using this as a part of my plot. Like there's a way when when it's in which it pays off that doesn't actually require people like making a reservation to have pasta marinara or whatever, where it still kind of works. Oh, and so you feel she, like this is like the minor leagues and she's potentially getting a shot at the major leagues. I mean, who can say? I love this. Wow, the sports references are flowing today. I don't even, I, I swear to you guys, I don't like sports. Well, the other thing is, don't you want that scene? Because they're in Rome. They're going to be in Rome again this next week, I believe. Don't you want mm-hmm. that scene where Dorit is taking it all in and you know she's coming up with the Buca de Beppo plot? Like, I want to see her, like, looking around and seeing lemons and being like, yes, that would Capri. work in Buca. You know, like, I want to see that thought process. Yes. And don't you want Antonio to, like, randomly show up? her ex-lover that she was with in Italy. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if all of a sudden you heard like Dorita and like, she turns around at the Spanish steps and like slow music. Maybe they get the rights to like some culture club song and like Antonio (laughs) and like her come together. Like, so wait, the others, Dorita is my favorite character this season. They showed, she goes, any young fashion girl, Italy is, Rome is the place to be. And then they put up a shot of her doing the classic tourist shot at the Pisa the Gleaning oh, Tower of Pisa. Like, she, she talked about being a young fashion girl, and then the producers trolled her so hard by using a tourist photo of somebody in Italy. I feel like this has been the renaissance of Dorit this season, where, you know, we were introduced to her through Pantygate, wasn't the greatest representation of her character, let alone her relationship. And now we're at a point where we're like, wow, Dorit is actually stepping up in a way that nobody else who's a non-new cast member is. Like, Sutton stepped up last week, Garcelle stepped up last week and this week, including a very specific confessional moment that actually got me to gasp, which is, I'm pretending that's rare, it's actually relatively (laughs) common, but it was fantastic and like an assassin. Like, it was very, very well done. 
But with Dorit, I'm like looking at her and the way that she has been, I would think, incredibly reasonable in how she's talking about these things, holding, defending um, Denise while still holding her accountable for her behavior and some indiscrepancies with everything or, or discrepancies rather with everything that is happening related to this indiscretion potentially with Brandy. I just have a level of respect for her that I don't know that I have had before or at least something it's lasted longer than it ever has before. It's deepened. If we're talking it's about deepened. how relations, yes. it's deepened I, over time and I'm appreciative for I've it. Actually, because, I've rethought my feelings on PK even like I'm, I, yeah, it, you know, I used to just think of him as like a giant stuffed baked potato in every scene. Like he just, <laughs> he always just looked like a baked potato with everything on it. And now I'm actually going like, wow, like maybe there is like PK's learned a lesson. He goes, you know, like it's not right for me to talk, you know, the man I realized I made that mistake before. And he tried to talk to Aaron and I was like, I, I kind of like this PK, you know, the PK yeah. that lets Dorit make the money. Team Carb all the way. Yeah. I think he did. I think he did a great job. And even with the Aaron stuff, the way that he approached Aaron, it felt like at that at party at Kyle's, it felt like he was a little nervous. The way he was like very gingerly trying to have this like cool, calm, collected conversation with someone. Meanwhile, they both know they're being recorded. I, I had respect for him because he wasn't trying to teach someone. He was just trying to say, listen, this worked for me from my experience. I get where you're coming from. It's never going to work out in your favor when you insert yourself, even if in real life, if your partner was in this kind of situation or some sort of situation with a group of friends, you would want to defend that person. Just know it's only going to get worse if you try to take it on yourself, like let them fight their battle and just support them. But you don't need to vocalize that support with the women that you are disagreeing with because then they take it on as an additional um, like X on the list against Denise when it, that's not necessarily truly her fault. Yeah, uh, yeah but, but, he, but, he, but he used he used that whole like, you know, it's like when a cat goes up a tree and, uh, <laughs> you know, then the cat, you want to let the cat go up further. The, like that, I even checked out. I was like, what's PK saying? And then Aaron, like all that's going through Aaron's head is like 5G, big pharma, big pharma, <laughs> big pharma's following me right now. Like that's all. Yes. He's, <laughs> he's so funny. Aaron, like, I was loving Aaron until he did the crush my hand bit. Like, and, yeah. but like until then I was like, yeah, man, like what a weird house husband. I totally dig it. And then I'm not down with like crushing hands, you know, like, and he did it twice. Yeah. The aggressiveness and the direct aggressiveness is not ideal. And I feel like in addition to that, I understand putting aside like the cancer is a superhero stuff. I understand a lot of his perspective and where he's coming from with like, just let it go. Like you guys are making this into a thing that it doesn't need to be. And the way that you're doing it is pack mentality. And I don't understand it. And why are you being so literal with stuff when someone's responding and you get their intention, but you're only focused on the language. Like there's a problem there, but speaking of language, the way in which he conducts himself is like super self-sabotage when it comes yeah. to housewives, because like Erica Jane will give zero fucks about what he's actually trying to say. She's wondering, like, why are you talking to me to begin with? Like, where is your wife? She, she wrote a song about it. How many fucks do I give? None. And zero, that's like and he zero, goes, zero, he goes, none. he goes, uh, ladies, ladies, 
we're through here, ladies, ladies. Like nobody, like nobody should talk to anybody like that. That's like you're not a teacher. You're not like a school teacher. Yeah, I I agree with you. I do have a question for you though, because we started this conversation by you talking about some previous pod work that you've done. So when did your journey with Housewives begin? You obviously had a great passion and interest in Kardashian stuff. When did you turn to Bravo? Was no, it there yeah. during that full time or, or no? How did no, that the go? full time. The fact is, like, I didn't even like the Kardashians. The whole conceit, oh. of, the whole conceit of the pod was I never had watched it before, and then the co-host <laughs> was like a genius about it, you know. So it was my first foray into that world, and of course, you grow, you grow to appreciate anything mm -hmm. that you watch for that long. So I grew to have mm -hmm. an appreciation for the Kardashians, but the Bravo universe has been since the beginning of Bravo. Like I was that dude that I don't know, for some reason I just always, I was talking today. Like I was talking about that show blowout that I'm, I used to be fixated with. In oh, Jonathan Anton. Yes. Like I used to love. Blowout. Oh, I love that. show. I, it's so weird. I was rewatching so Bethany ever after on Peacock mm. and I had mm -hmm. blocked out. I had blocked out that I had watched that whole series. Like I'd seen mm. every episode. Like there are like, I've watched everything on Bravo and I just, but I used to just, yeah, I'd watch it by myself. I'd like, I mean, I was, I, for some reason, I've always been, I saw Vicky with that van or Aviva throwing mm -hmm. her leg and like those mm -hmm. things hit me to my core and mm -hmm. like I wanted to be, I just loved it. I, so the fact that this, like what happened was that I started, like I went through a uh, divorce and I didn't know about <laughs> Facebook groups or anything like that mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I would be at my job in between clients and things like that and I would Somebody invited me to be part of a Facebook group that was all about, and I and I realized like, oh my God, there's thousands and thousands of people mm -hmm. that share the same passion that I do. Like mm -hmm. I'm like, you remember this scene or this scene? Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. blew me away. I had no clue any of this existed, which then led me to podcasts and and this mm -hmm. whole thing. But I just thought I was like some weirdo, like watching this stuff by myself, and I didn't realize there was tons of weirdos like me. Do your friends watch Housewives? Uh, well, now I have, a, I mean, my majority of friends are female. And so a mm -hmm. lot of them do, or a lot of the friends I've made are because of all of this stuff. So yeah, but my core group of friends or even my guy friends, like, no, it's like sports, like the, mm -hmm. the kind of the middle, the gateway drug, you can kind of do summer house a little bit with them. Mm -hmm. They kind of mm -hmm. seem to like, okay, I get it. Okay. Drinking. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I see. I see what's going on here. Like they'll do that. There's like gateway shows, but if you throw them in, like head first into a housewife show, they think that something's wrong. Like, I even tried to do that with my dad. I made my parents watch a bunch of episodes of Vanderpump Rules. Oh, my God. Oh, and, oh uh, your parents. Not even oh, your yeah. guy friends, but your no, parents. No, no. Well, my parents are recurring guests on my podcast. They're on every week. And okay. it's fun to get their opinion where my dad watched an earlier thing, like a, like a, the season where Jax uh, slept with Kristen. And then I made him watch a new one. And he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, somebody married that guy? Who married that guy? Are you wait? Are you kidding? And then my dad watched the episode That's where Jack where Jack said his brain was bruised. He's like, I have a mental. My brain is bruised. And my dad, my, so my dad's big thing every every time I, I something's wrong. He's like, is your brain bruised? You got you good? Is your is your brain <laughs> oh, no. is your brain sprained? Yeah, it's it's fun to get other people's perspectives, but you have to shake off that feeling that they'll initially think you're a little crazy because they'll be like, this is what you spend your time doing. Like this is it. Mm -hmm. Because you also have to realize we're desensitized to how horribly these people treat each other, but mm -hmm. they aren't. So they're like, you know, like this is like messed up behavior. 
it's also one of the reasons why, aside from, you know, showing someone a random episode as like a social experiment, when people say like, oh, I need to start Potomac, what season do I start with? Or I need to start, not that, I don't know, I'm trying to think of any other franchise that most people haven't seen. Or, or maybe I haven't started... I don't know, Orange County. I don't know if that even makes sense. <laughs> but um, what season do I start with? I always say you have to start with the first season. Even if some of these franchises have meandering initial seasons or seasons where you're not quite clicking, you have to get a sense or an understanding of what the foundation was, both the concept of the show and how that's changed, and also how these women relate to each other in like power positions or in relationships or whatever else. And the only way to really do that is to start at the beginning and you just kind of have to get through it. And then some of these shows get better and better and better with time. Some of these shows, you know, are solid and then have seasons that aren't as great. But there are still moments in those seasons that you don't even know will stay with you until sometimes four years later when you're thinking about, you know, a Viva in an elevator or something, and then it'll all come flooding back. So but it's one of those things where, you know, like, understand your great American history, you guys. That, well, that's you what I, I mean. And I know I, 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 I know that's said with a wink in a way, but I said we have to – I talked about this. We, we have to appreciate the history of Bravo. Like, yes. you know, we have to appreciate it so we can move forward. You know, like, yes. we have to really – pay attention to even the shows like Blowout. You know, we got to know where we came mm-hmm. from. We got to remember the D- Kathy Griffin, Life on the D-List. We got to mm-hmm. remember these things that got us to where we are. The rap on Potomac is hysterical, though, because everybody really goes, start with season three. Start with season three. No, no, no a lot of season two. A lot a of people lot, say start. No, oh, I no, get. No, I, those are liars. Oh, those are bad people. I, I, <laughs> can I, start, start I, I give permission for season two if you don't want to do one. But I have never heard Ryan. Oh, Bailey, I've heard anyone ever say three. Oh my God, that's all. Uh, I, I can give you. I can lie. give you. I I can give you big name people. Well, I will not bust out on this podcast who have said. Okay, start you'll with tell season me after. Three. You'll tell me after. But um, no, but it. What I will say about Potomac is I am somebody that uh, devoured that entire series recently. Mm-hmm. And what's so great about coming to I, – I really went into this on the podcast this week is that what's so great about a new show like this, it's really hard to let new people into your heart and mind. And I know that sounds mm-hmm. silly, but it, no, it takes a lot of bandwidth because you really know – if you watch the shows like I do or we do, you really get into it. So it's like the mm-hmm. fact to then keep up with seven more ladies, their their husbands, their kids, because you really devour it. But I will say, having said all that, it is so refreshing to have a new franchise to fall in love with that you, yes. even the start of this season, season mm-hmm. five, mm-hmm. I watched it. And I rooted for everybody. There was not one person mm-hmm. I hated. There were like mm-hmm. at this point, I've watched New, you know, New York, Beverly Hills, Orange County so long that mm-hmm. it there's a there's a fatigue there that you you know you'll you you're in love with it, but you're it's like it's like when you're in a relationship so long that you're just not appreciating some of the most beautiful moments. Whereas Potomac, you're like every scene is wonderful. Every person is like, even if they're fighting with each other, you're like, oh, I can see both sides here. You're like, oh, Candace has a point. Oh, okay, but like, so mm-hmm. I was riveted, and one of those things of like, man, I can't wait to watch the remainder of this season. Whereas sometimes in previous seasons, like the last three seasons of Beverly Hills, it felt like homework or a chore or something that I, it's like, it's like the family members you've lost, 
you know, you don't agree with anymore, but you know your family, mm-hmm. so you have to keep going with them. Like, that's mm-hmm. what Beverly Hills felt like the last three seasons. Not this season mm-hmm. so much, but it really felt like it was, like, horrible. And I would say that Potomac, I look at it as a show with an incredible amount of nuance, but nowhere near as much baggage. So when you think about Orange County and what we have essentially survived with Orange County, which are some record lows from a moral perspective and potentially legal perspective and whatever else, versus a show like Potomac, which is just a very different set of women who are maybe a little bit closer to earth than Orange County and also don't have like 14 layers of foundation that they need to, you know, run up against when they're filming future seasons where you don't feel the pressure of referencing people who haven't been on the show in 10 years or you don't feel the pressure of um, trying to figure out how to you know, embark on a new chapter, maybe feeling the weight of Vicky and Tamra. I mean, it's just a very, very different dynamic that feels a lot more modern and fresh. And, you know, it gets dark, it gets deep, but it is still, um, it feels like the future. It just really does. It feels like the future of the franchise, of, of franchises for housewives in general. And it also proves the point that like these shows aren't going anywhere because this show is five seasons in. And, and that is the water cooler conversation, pretending that anybody is standing anywhere near a water cooler right now in the time of Corona. <laughs> it's really, why, that's the why show. are you standing this close to me? Uh, let <laughs> I me get my water, please. <laughs> for real. Yeah. Let me douse you with something. Um, it's really it's one of those shows that a lot of people are talking about. But I do want to pivot a little bit because you referenced Lisa Rinna, oh. who is having if we're going to talk about nuance or lack thereof or baggage. I would think that Team Rinna from previous season, she's our queen. She's so great. Listen, the woman is a great housewife in the sense that. She understands the game, but I don't know that she knows when she's losing. And it's like, it's a big loss. It's, right it's, it's all becoming, she is becoming a caricature of herself. Her mm-hmm. with that, you know, if you go back and watch those Denise conversations from this week of like, mm-hmm. tell me what's going on, Denise. Mm-hmm. It my stomach's in knots. Like, no, your stomach is not enough. If your stomach's in knots, it's because of excitement, because you think you busted somebody. But like, hey, guess what, guys? I have a new show. Why don't we uncover all of Lisa Rinna's past sex capades in front of her? Like, I also, she also has to realize, somebody put this, like, amazing quote on, I saw it on Instagram of saying, like, um, you got to appreciate somebody like Rinna because she drives the plot. She's a classic housewife. This is what we need. I agree with all of that. But I would also say that person then needs to realize they will become the person that the spotlight on is on at one point, and they need to accept that. I seem to remember a certain cast trip where Rinna flipped out because one of the husband's names got brought up, her husband, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. was off limits. So the fact that we are then like trying to like, Denise, did you sleep with Brandy? That's none of your business. The business is, did you rip on any of these ladies? Did you talk mm-hmm. shit about us? The question, mm-hmm. like, Denise doesn't owe them shit about saying who she did what with. That This has nothing to do with Lisa. I, the fact that Lisa is, like, there, like, it, like, I always compare it to, like, Lisa has a bone that she thought there was, like, a tiny piece of meat on, and now she's eating the bone. 
It doesn't, mm. it is so gross to me. I think each, like she is digging it deeper and deeper. And I'm kind of now rooting against Rena where I'm like, next season, you better be prepared for all guns blazing because your social media presence has become disgusting. I'm tired of the, yes! da- I'm tired of the dancing. I'm tired of the daily dance. Um, I'm tired you of know, the daily like, dance. I, like I said, I like, I'm going to watch this lady break a hip one day on Instagram live. And I'm at a point where I'm not going to go help her. Like, I don't, I just, she's worn my last nerve and it's all under the guise of her being a caring person and that's just not who she is she's like denise you know denise was right hey you should have given me a heads up not even a text we're friends and rena like you literally was like rena was like um (laughs) we're on the housewives i'm not gonna do shit like this is a plot line she's like that's teddy teddy that's teddy had that information the 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 munchausen of it all is hysterical too of like you know why i didn't say it munchausen like this is i just i don't know i'm done i'm done i'm done with her I feel like she's using a lot of uh, excuses or reasoning that just truly doesn't make sense. The, the problem with Munchausen is that she brought in a conversation to the table and then talked about it with all of the cast members except the main one that she was essentially spreading these rumors about. So when she says, I'm pivoting, I've learned from Munchausen, so what I'm going to do is continue talking about rumors relating to someone who I, in fact, don't have an, a, a strained, strange relationship with. This is someone who ostensibly, at this point in time, is still a close friend or a friend. I'm not going to give her any fair warning or anything, and once again, I'm going to have this play out in a public seen at a dinner table and she said in one of her lines this week she's like you know I don't want to play telephone it's like a game of telephone (laughs) when people talk about it except she's playing a game of telephone and then she decides to make sure that the game of telephone becomes a game of conference call where it's a group of people having a conversation that she absolutely should have prepared Denise for it would have been more enjoyable for us the viewers I'm sorry blah 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 but it also would have been better for her if she's thinking about her reputation in that she would have at least shown she has some semblance of a heart and the way that like Denise talks about her dad whose name we all know from Denise's former reality show Irv or whatever you know she raises these things oh your dad or she'll put in little pearls about Denise's kids or whatever because she remembers and we remember that she actually knows these people and these moments of Denise's life regardless of how close they were in the 20 years that they've known each other But it shows she knows them. And so to know what's happening because you consider yourself and many people do consider you a great housewife. You know how this is going to go down. You know that Denise is uncomfortable with this. You know that maybe Denise has lied about some elements of this and is trying to just quickly go into that like self-secure spot um, where she's doing her own damage control on camera and doesn't trust anyone and doesn't want to reveal anything that she thinks can be used against her which is not a great strategy, but there really is also no great strategy for Denise right now, especially because she is sort of uncomfortable with the dynamics relating to this show. You know all of this, and you're just watching all of this bubble over because you think in the back of your head, well, I can just kind of slyly push it on Teddy in a confessional however many months later after being fed whatever information you need in which to like give yourself the best possible excuse. Lisa Rin is a great housewife, But she's a great housewife villain in the way in which maybe a lot of people were thinking about Lisa Vanderpump toward the end. But who's going to be the Lisa Rinna against Lisa Rinna next season? Garcelle? 
I mean, you know, I mean, Denise won't. You know, it'd be great to see her step up, but I don't think Denise has it's that not in her. Happen. She doesn't. Have but it in Garcelle, her. that is an interesting thing because I think Garcelle sees things pretty clearly. Yes. Kyle won't do it. Dorit, Kyle isn't there. Nah, yeah. I mean, like I don't know, Dorita. Uh, but Garcelle would be the one. Um, I don't think. Uh, I mean, Sutton, of course, you know, is is gonna. You know, Sutton's all about manners, and she has her own hysterical thing with that. So I think the only one that really could do it is Garcelle, and I would be down for that because you know we they really spent a lot of time giving us Garcelle's foundation of yes, she's very busy. Yes, she has many projects in the can. Mm-hmm. Yes, we've seen a lot about her life personally, where we haven't seen a lot of personal other housewives' personal lives. So I'm curious with that foundation, now Garcelle actually has to do something in the second season. You know, like, I'm totally down for having her there. I think she's a good addition. But the reality of it, she hasn't really done a lot. She hasn't been a part of a lot. So I, I'm I'm so excited to see what she'll do in season two. And I think she will definitely step it up. And I hope that is to take down Rinna. I mean, she's dropped nuggets in the press recently. Oh, yeah. About the what fight she with said Rinna about... That- the fight with Rinna and the, the reunion. Yeah, the fight with Rinna at the reunion, the fact that, um, you know, she unfollowed Rinna after the reunion, the fact that she thought Rinna went too far. Um, the, she said to somebody at some point, I think this week, you know, I don't know if I'll come back if Denise doesn't, which isn't a total ultimatum. Obviously, she would prefer if Denise comes back. If for some reason Denise doesn't, I do think, Garcelle will still return yeah, yeah totally and I would think Garcelle is I mean if we're going to talk about the future of some of these franchises Garcelle certainly seems to me to be a necessary part of Beverly Hills moving forward especially because while this isn't maybe as bad as last season there is still the feeling of everyone else against one and even though like Dorit's doing a good job and Sutton's having a little moment, it it's like all of this against Denise, who herself is like trying to now fight back in ways that just aren't really hitting as best as they could, or maybe aren't as well thought thought out as they could be. So in that sense, Garcelle is so, so important because she's so smart. She gets it. She's funny. She has a sense of humor. Um, she has a sense of humor about being on the show. And I think that will be really key because my guess is Rinna fucking loses her mind at the reunion, goes all in against Denise, probably says a lot of really, really shitty things that feel a little queer shaming, a little uh, something else. I mean, I'm having a conversation. I've been having ongoing conversations with a lot of, um, Uh, folks who are members of the LGBTQ community. I am not, but trying to unpack and understand if there are any sensitivities there around how Rinna has sort of expressed herself and made this Brandy Denise thing into a joke, which is super unfunny to me um, on social and off. Um, Sort of getting into all of that, I wonder if Rinna will continue to prove herself to be her own worst enemy and also how hard Garcelle comes out. You know, like... Is she really going to go full force against Rinna? Is this going to be one of those things where Denise is shutting the fuck up and Garcelle is fighting Denise's fight on her behalf? Or Garcelle is just like, I'm a human person watching this and you're not, you're not, you're being not great with how you are behaving yourself on camera, off, like someone needs to 
sort of make clear to you that the way that you're behaving is reckless and rude. And if I have to be the one to step up, so be it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's weird when somebody starts believing their own hype. And I think that's where we're in with mm-hmm. Rinna is that she's believing the legend that we created for her. I mean, she is a part yes. of it, but we also, yes. you know, you'll see that a lot with housewives, especially like New York mm-hmm. with like Luann's already using her lower level catchphrase in the opening credits. Like mm-hmm. Dorinda, like immediately put out clip merchandise. Once mm-hmm. we liked clip, like we're the ones that steer that ship in terms of, well, that's a really funny line. And then they are now catching on to it. But sometimes I don't like when the housewives catch on to what we like about them. Sometimes I like it just to be like what it is and like, let us laugh about it. You don't need to make merchandise about it. You don't need to be like, Oh, you said, you said you like me dancing. Well, I'm going to give it to mm-hmm. you every day for the rest of your life. Like, there is uh, a thing to be said of like um, pivoting, like you said, switching up. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think some of these people just get so ensconced in like they think they're untouchable and unstoppable. You know, it's a little bit of like Jack's Taylor behavior and Vanderpump rules of like, I mm-hmm. created this show. And it's like, no, nobody is beyond. Nobody is irreplaceable. Just that's just it. Nobody is. And also nobody is nobody is or should be bigger than the franchise. So when someone's favorite leaves the show and they're like, I'll never going to watch it. I'm never going to watch again. I always question that because I think, why did you watch the show? Are you watching the show for that one person who every single person who joins a housewife show, there's an expiration date like the clock is going to set. Nobody is going to stay an OG full time forever and ever. Amen. That seems at least very unlikely at this point. And the fact that many OGs are stepping away from the franchise actually, to me, I think shows the health of the franchise and how production and the network are viewing these women and the future because at a certain point it just comes becomes stale it's no mark against these people but maybe there is no real chemistry amongst these women maybe they really truly do not want to interact or get along and that's okay but if your favorite leaves why aren't you still watching? What does that yeah. mean about well, your we, experience when you're watching these shows and what you actually care about the most? We, saw, we saw that with scene? Bethany. We saw that with yeah. Bethany. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, I heard a lot of people going, well, New York's done for me. And I'm like, what? Like, New York's done for you? Like, are you, you know Bethany left at one point before. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, she, I, I, I like Beth. I love Bethany. I think Bethany is great. Like, but I, there was not a part in my mind where I was like, no. I'll never watch New York again. Like, are you crazy? Like, no way. Like, I it's it's part of how these shows, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, it is so important that these shows not only survive, but thrive. Mm-hmm. Like what you were mm-hmm. saying with Potomac is that this is, you know, but I also want to point out with Potomac, just going back real quick, is that Potomac also, to those people that haven't watched it, don't be scared. It's still a housewife show. The DNA is all there. It's still the, you know, it's like the formula we all knew and love, but it is the future in terms of like, it's, it's hipper. It's younger. It has like this good vibe about it, but I do get worried about Bravo with this kind of stuff of like, what does the next 10 years look like? You know, as mm-hmm. Netflix comes in hard as TLC mm-hmm. comes in harder. Like I, I think about, you know, Rome fell at one point, you know, nothing is promised mm-hmm. to us. Like the mm-hmm. health of Bravo depends on all of us. And I take that very seriously. Cause I sometimes wonder like, we got to roll with these changes. We got to like keep pushing mm-hmm. forward because this does mean I say this like without a joke in my voice is that this is very important to us. We need to find ways for Bravo to pivot. You know, we need to find ways to keep the health of this network alive because you'll see in some of these franchises, like it will get stale if people don't leave, it mm-hmm. will fall into a rut. Like these, mm-hmm. you know, the constant health of this network is dependent on like crapshoots. Like, I don't know if everybody's like, 
what was that show? Uh, you know, is there a lot of camp getaway heads out there? You know, like it's important for them to. <laughs> I mean, the Apre Ski. Yeah, yeah. What up, Apre Ski Nation? <laughs> no, I mean nobody's like you know picketing outside Bravo. Like bring back, you know, uh, keep going with Backyard Envy. Like I, these are all great things. <laughs> These are all great things, but it's like you, you know, you got to go with what works and stuff like that. And so sometimes mm-hmm. I see Netflix going so strong or TLC, like really hitting their niche of like, just like, hey, if you have a tumor, we want you on. Like, is mm-hmm. that uh, Bravo? Like, I, I get competitive. I get like, Bravo's got to step up, man. Like, we got to we got to keep this thing rolling. We got to keep innovating. We got to bring new people in. Mm-hmm. Well, look what they did with Motherfucking Family Karma, which was one of my favorite shows to watch this year. A brand new show on Bravo about all of these families um, in Miami and how they were navigating relationships. And um, I thought it was really great. I thought it was also great to see um, fresh new diversity on Bravo that hasn't uh, existed in a way of having a full show totally geared around um, people of color and their families in a much more enjoyable dynamic than like Shaws of Sunset, which has become, which if we're going to talk about swan songs, like that is my Lord, that is nearing the end of the game. Um, But there are, you know, shows that Bravo is introducing that feel really fresh and new and fun where it's like if you need a little bit of a break or you just need to take a little bit of a pivot from Housewives and have this totally different kind of experience that's still a part of the Bravo feel in which it's still based around obviously reality TV and people connecting with each other. And these happen to be with family karma, a group of friends who've known each other their entire lives, some of whom are struggling with dating or business or work or family dynamics or whatever. Like this is a totally, you know, new show for you to watch and support. So on one hand, several people are like, okay, what's the future? What this what's you know, what does Bravo look like in the next even couple years, let alone a decade down the line? And it's like, well, they're actually kind of showing you how they want to evolve. So are you actually tuning in? You well, know, like we a, need to take responsibility ourselves for making sure totally. that numbers for shows like Family Karma are high enough so that they have a second season well, so that they can grow, they can evolve. I always think about that, though, in terms of like a show like, um, I know this is like a little off, but like Seinfeld. You know, like the first season was like a six-episode tryout. Nobody liked it. It was called the Seinfeld Chronicles. And then mm-hmm. NBC, like somebody there like was like, ah, I guess we'll try a second season. Mm-hmm. And then on the third season, it caught fire. Is that... Sometimes, like, you know, that is a lot of weight to put on the audience. Like, the diehards, of course, will do that. But to really reach past the diehards, to reach past that, you know, 0.789 million they'll always get, you need Mm -hmm. to, like, let things have a second season. Like, that's, I think, why Summer House is actually still around, is that somebody did give it a second season. Yes, that's a great comparison. Like, you, you know... And now Summer, Summer House kind of exploded over quarantine. It was yeah, the, it did. the perfect quarantine show. And mm-hmm. you got to like, you got to take risks like that, but you got to let people catch up to things. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like us diehards. Yeah. Like, let's watch everything. But for the rest of the people that are outside of this, you know, core group of people, it's got to mm-hmm. hit those people. Those are the demographics. You got to hit the masses of like, you know, when mm-hmm. Netflix gets, um, gets attention for like love is blind or something, you know, we need Mm -hmm. Bravo to get that attention for something. 
Mm-hmm. Well, but wait, yeah, by the way, but that's why I think what they're doing on Sunday with the race in America thing, mm-hmm. I think that's like to me, that to me is innovating. That to me is like what other place is doing that right now? You know, like they're actually taking their Bravo liberties, put, like, putting it towards a cause. You're mm-hmm. not like I think that is to me a neat thing that like actually reminds you that you are in a community. Um, and I think they're going to do it in a cool way. I'm really excited to watch that. I just want them to innovate a little bit more and give things a chance. Like, will uh, will Family Karma get a second season? You know? Yeah, and I don't know if it will. It really should. And P.S. The special that you're referencing is Race in America: A Movement, Not a Moment, which is going to f- um, feature Bravo celebrities who are um, black, who are people of color, as well as um, white Bravo celebrities all talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, race in America, and listening to people talk about their own experiences and the change that they um, need and are absolutely demanding um, happen. And that's going to be on Bravo uh, 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time this Sunday after Potomac. And you guys at home know that I hate watching Bravo Live. I'm one of those people that always watches the next day. Oh, really? Even yeah, I'm very strange. I'm absolutely, oh, absolutely wow. not in the majority in that sense. I like like waking up the next morning, like making myself a little cup of tea and then watching the shows. And I understand that that brings with it risk because people are constantly DMing me as things happen. And I have no problem with that. I actually kind of enjoy it because it's like a little sneak peek. Um, but with this particular special, I would just highly encourage that folks tune in live as it airs as I will as well because you know Bravo I'm sure is going to be looking at um, viewership counts and everything else and I just think that we should all really be supporting uh, the network as well as all of the folks participating um, and it will be really great but actually speaking of one of those participants Leah I wanted to get your thoughts (laughs) as we talk about I think you've you know, pretty vocal about her specifically. Um, Leah, hey, hey, Leah, you listen? Hey, Leah, please say you listen. Leah, please say you listen. Um, So as we talk about the future of some of these franchises, I mean, who is a better example of sort of not really a risk that the network or production is taking, but certainly sort of a challenge, at least to the other women in the cast in New York. And like, this is a very different energy and different kind of housewife than we have had in New York in a while. And P.S., you know, Bethany's introduction as a housewife was not without a lot of challenges in that she didn't have like stable housing. There goes the house. She was struggling. they had she barely afford rent. She wasn't a wife. She was in a relationship with Jason 1.0 before 2.0 came along. She didn't know her place and she could barely pay the rent. And that was an excellent payoff for the network. And so, you know, looking at these women, look at Leah. You can sort of get glimpses of how maybe Ramona looked at Bethany way back when. But anyway, what are your thoughts on all things? Um, your your pal, your BFF, your potential um, future wife. I love her. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I love. I mean, do you what, love her? Do I you said, love I said, her? I said, it's like Steve Carell and Anchorman, where he goes, "I love lamp." Like that's all I do is like, <laughs> I love, I love Leah. I love Leah. Like I don't, you know, I don't. It, it, I mean, I make jokes about this on the pod all the time. Like I do, mm-hmm. like I, I, because I genuinely, I, she just, I think she's great. It is a very interesting dynamic that's brought up about like she's such a different age range. It's really mm-hmm. pushing the ladies to a different point. And a lot of people give unfair criticism to that. But I love that point that you just brought up about Bethany, which, by the way, Bravo re-aired season one of New York on Thursday. And it was Mm. I woke up to it and it was like 
it was like a happy pill. I was like, this is amazing. And you're right. I was watching Bethany not know how she was going to pay her rent around mm-hmm. all of these rich people. And mm-hmm. Leah, it's just fascinating. Like she's somebody that's really like uh, cut a path for herself in life already, but she's mm-hmm. not like completely well off. She's somebody mm-hmm. that tries to raise her daughter right, tries to have a good relationship with her ex. I mean, these mm-hmm. are all things that should be celebrated. She's trying to really like, I don't know. And the fact that she gets shit on for this sometimes it really makes me laugh. And the Ramona of it all, it's like the Rinna thing. It's like you're shooting yourself in the foot. Like you like you trying to like dunk on Leah, like you're just making yourself look bad. You're you're making yourself look horrible. And I'll be really fascinated to see how that reunion t- turns out. But also, I mean, Sarah, I got to say, like the dude from the Red Lion the pita chip guy, like I can compete with those guys. Like I'm like, I I'm saying like I don't th- I am not the best looking guy out there, but I'm on par with the Red Lion bartender. Like so much so that I put in an application at the Red Lion just on the off chance that they wow. go back to the Berkshires. What if okay. I just? But think about it. I work there. They go Dedication. back. Yeah, yes. like a year from now, mm-hmm. I'm working yeah, there. Two. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, you see me pop up at the Berkshires house. Everybody that knows mm-hmm. me is gonna be like, holy shit, he did it. He did it. Look at that guy. He did it. Like that I guy mean, got to stay at the Berkshire's house. Like that's it's like horrible. And she kisses. About, she kisses somebody in the yeah, secret suite. Yeah, so hurtful. Talk about dedication. You know, you put in an application to apply to work in a place that is literally on the opposite side of the country of where you currently are. On the off chance that somebody who does not actually live in that town may visit it, if in fact they are back on the show and they happen to be filming the night that your shift is, as opposed to I don't know, sliding in her DMs. Listen, like, when, when you find love, by the way, it scares me. The hardest route. That's the lesson to be learned. It scares me. I. It scares me so. So much everybody will be yes. like just slide in her dms and i'm like that horrifies me like that absolutely i hear that and i literally just was like it just froze up i would rather go apply at that thing on the off chance of like naturally meeting her that way and because i talked about this again this week on the pod is that guys it's it's not gonna go well because at the end of the day i do a podcast <laughs> i do a podcast about reality shows she would like if I did a podcast, say like of like maybe I was like This American Life, I was like Ira Glass. Mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. different cachet where she'd be okay with dating a podcaster. Yeah, it, but you're she, gonna critique her behavior. Yeah, you're she be can't like, bring me. I need to record this thing and call you out. I'll be right back in 45. And yeah, also, yeah, yeah. even that she can't bring me around people and being like, we met because he does a Bravo podcast. Like that just it's not a fun story for her, and she deserves a fun story. But I will say wow. she has horrible the taste. Sacrifice <laughs> that you are making <laughs> your eternal happiness Listen. so that. That in that my God, it's just so courageous of you. At Oh No Bravo on Instagram back in the day yes. when I started this, she made a Photoshop of me uh, with Leah's bucket hat, and it was me, and I had a black shirt, and she put on the black shirt, I'm ready to be a stepdad. And she <laughs> and she, and she posted this, and then fucking Leah saw it, and then I was like, the bucket hat is cute. But me say like the shirt saying I want to be a stepdad, I would be like, oh, do I need to watch out for this guy? Like, uh, you know, and also everybody's like, oh, uh, shoot your shot, dude. Shoot your shot. Like, yeah, I am probably the only straight dude that has a Bravo podcast that li- like there's no other me's right that now. You know, like I'm the only one. Like if Leah wanted to date a podcaster, then it's obvious it probably would be me. But she doesn't want to. Do you get people sliding into your specific DMs? Yeah, but like, it's like, hey. yeah, but it's like, don't you hate Rinna? Don't you like it's like, 
And I'll be is like, that the, is yeah. that the pickup line? Is yeah. that the pickup line? Well, I mean, but no, I mean, not in that. I don't, uh, I have, I, but also I don't know sometimes when people like what that Flirting. looks like. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah the dynamic. And yeah, yeah, I've yeah. also. And you don't want to cross that line. Well, yeah, too, but also I've been know. in, re- I've been in relate, like my two major relationships were so long, like 10 mm-hmm. years and seven years that I'm oh, kind of arrested development in terms of like dating per se. Like I don't, okay. uh, I, so I don't sometimes know. Unless somebody comes out and goes like, I like you. And then like, I wouldn't like, I don't see that. And I, I'm still the insecure 300 pound kid from high school that like, I don't see, I see myself in a very, it's just weird. I have like body dys. Like, now I'm getting personal. I have body dysmorphia. And no, like, this is the show. Talk about, talk about no, whatever no, I you're just, comfortable I have, with. I have, yeah, uh, yeah. I have weird body issues. <laughs> I have weird body issues. Okay. I don't, Let's unpack it. Let's I don't unpack see, it. I just okay. don't see. So it's really hard for me to imagine um, like I'm that kind of guy. Like if you like me, I'm like, is this a prank? Is it Ashton Kutcher about to pop out? Like I don't. It's sometimes learning. I'm learning to be better with myself. This is way too deep. But I no, I'm, keep going. Don't stop apologizing for um, expressing. No, no, no. It's just, just uh, yeah. No, it's like so that part of it's always really hard. It's been really nice. The people that have liked me and stuff like it, it has. I was like, wow, this wasn't like this in my 20s, and it was like I mean, this was it, it was so nice. It's been nice, but I don't. It's weird to start seeing how other people see me uh, opposed to how I see myself. And that's what I do therapy for. And that's why I'm on SSRIs. And like, that's why I, you know, like, so this has all been like a learning process. But uh, to your question, no, people aren't like sliding into my DMs in that way. Or if they are, I just don't know it, you know? Guys, be more upfront. Maybe people should title if there was only a subject line in a DM to be like yada 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 and so on and so forth. Maybe that's another thing for Joseph Instagram. Wait, 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 wait. We should do it. This should be a Bravo show of just how many people can catfish me. Wait a second. I hear sirens outside. Maybe that's in fact Leah or somebody on her behalf rushing in. They heard her voice. (laughs) There is a challenge. They're accepting it. Things are <laughs> happening. A love connection is being made. And there we are. I had another thought of like me starting like the only way to the other way I was thinking about trying to like, you know, naturally reach her is I start a streetwear clothing line and I get it really popular. Like, I, I, like this is going to take years, but I get it to the point where like I'm up there with Mary to the mob and mm-hmm. then I just give her the company. I say, this is all for you. And I just wow. give it to her. And then... I ask her out like for a date. I don't know, you know, like oh, oh yeah, yeah. So I, what's you, the name of your streetwear line going to be? She's married to the mob. What's you're going to be like proposing to the designer? So ba- what's your what's what are you thinking? What so you, so you so go? bad it's good. So bad it's it's like the podcast name. So bad it's good. Oh great! Yeah. Okay, great. Love that. It's Love a that. brand. Yeah, either that or like Rhino because my name's Ryan. Like my my friends always used to call me a rhinoceros. I thought that might be kind of cool, mm. or uh, or like. Mm-hmm. Or I love Leah, the love of for the love of Leah. Um, mm-hmm. It would kill yeah. me. It would kill me if Bravo sometimes like they, but if Bravo does do a dating show like The Bachelor with Leah, that's another idea. I could be okay. a contestant on that show. Love that, love that. Some ideas, Bravo. If you're listening, we've got some spinoffs that <laughs> you know. If everybody quarantines, one one so day there's gonna be a super cut of all the podcasts I've talked about Leah on, and like all the. <laughs> Like, uh, I've served with papers, you know? Oh, my God. Well, that'll be a nice... Um, no, but, like, I want her... See, not even a joking That's way. Weeks. Like, I want to interview her on the podcast so bad 
you know, like I'll start off with the will you marry me question, but then I actually Obviously. have real questions because I'm fascinated with her of like even that, that the scenes this week with the bipolar um, and her article on that and how hard Ramona. It's like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm so curious. Like I want to know, like, you know, she said she discovered this seven years ago and she worked to get to a place like these are all important discussions that I really feel like I would love to hear more conversation about mm-hmm. in regards to her is that she seemed to put the work in. She doesn't take medication. I want to know what she did to like get to a point of like. Like, you know, and, and also, did this season of filming Real Housewives of New York completely exacerbate that condition? Like, it, like to have this kind of stress. You see Leah in these last couple episodes, you see the season wearing on her. You see that mm-hmm. she's like, she's literally looking at the camera at times going like, is this, what What are we doing? Like, is this, like, right. if I have to really deal with this? Like, she, Yeah, it's really intense. She doesn't want to be like, part of it, like, she wouldn't even really be hanging out with these ladies in mm-hmm. real life. So you kind of see... And we, we heard this week, I think it was like, you know, they're, they're like three or four months in on filming at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why her dynamic with Tinsley was so important and why her behavior after Tinsley left was maybe even more exacerbated than it had been before because she was kind of missing that contemporary, which I think is something that Bravo is 100% going to really think about and that they're thinking about now as they look at next season, having wrapped the reunion, which was filmed this past week, and, you know, really thinking about how does this make sense? There was a strong, strong, overwhelmingly, I think, positive reaction to Leah as an addition to New York and sort of looking at the future. You know, Ramona is, has said and done a lot of bad things throughout the years, but the worst mark against her right now is that it just feels like already done like when she says something that's terrible and then she maybe apologizes it for it and then she maybe pretends that she is a human person who feels empathy and tries to kind of like perform that as an act we've seen this for so many so many more so many seasons now we're seeing it used against the newest full-time addition to the cast and it's not working for Ramona and it's not working for us so I hope that when you know, Bravo makes those decisions about who's going to be on the the um, in the cast next season that they're thinking about Leah. They're also thinking about the current folks and looking at, OK, who makes sense here? Like who makes sense where if they don't if there is a disconnect that actually works to the benefit of the show, like you don't yeah. want everybody to vibe in the same way. There should be some sort of like sensitivity there or lack of understanding because that is what we're unpacking every week so does that need to be Ramona who we essentially know at this point couldn't that be someone new or also someone kind of like growing up a little bit I I think that those are going to be the discussions that you know Bravo and production are having if they haven't you know already had them in a way in which to utilize Leah I'm sure her behavior next season will be very different from this one um just in the way that she's been kind of expressing changes she's made in her life since filming ended and I'm really curious to see how that'll play out you know like Tinsley's in Chicago but there are a lot of people who are still left in New York so um it will be someone you know it'll be fascinating to see where they go i don't think that they're going to remain in the same place they are now i think the network knows that this isn't entirely working and there need to be some changes so but but even for it not working i still i mean the season was dark and it's going to get darker like next week we supposedly Mm -hmm. have an intervention with dorinda um so Mm. uh but i still really there were moments that i thought reached like the highest heights 
uh, like Ramona's Hampton House episode, like mm-hmm. the well, you know, start to finish. I think that's just in the uh, in the discography of like amazing Housewives episodes. So mm-hmm. I don't think this season was a wash at all. I thought you still had some amazing, amazing moments. It's just mm-hmm. that like I think we're also around these people so long that like somebody like Dorinda, the fact that she isn't getting that like. Yo, you, I mean, you make a lot of sense, but you do have a a drinking problem. Like, Mm -hmm, you just mm -hmm. do. Like, that's not, and that doesn't, like, the fact that she won't entertain it for a second Mm -hmm. is so alarming to me in so many ways. Because Dorinda makes a lot of sense. But, like, this season, like, I just got to say, like, it wasn't like I turned on her like I turned on Rinna. Because, like, Dorinda said some amazing things this past couple episodes that I was like, that's the Dorinda I love. But then she gets a drink thrown in there, and it just becomes... You know, exact her anger, her her mourning is exacerbated. She is really uh, uh, becoming a mean person at times, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's directly related to alcohol. And the fact that she won't even entertain it for a second really frightens me. And the fact that she's combative with people who reference it, like friendship for Dorinda in the new state of Dorinda's version of a friendship contract right now is here are the things that you are not allowed to discuss in front of me. If you discuss or reference anything in front of me, even if I'm asking you to be the messenger and tell me what someone else is saying, I will attack you personally and I will go for the lowest possible low i will never take responsibility for that i will gaslight you and tell other people that you had said other things to somehow um make what i said in any way permissible and even when you are trying to be emotionally vulnerable with me i will cut it off i will refuse to listen because i think you're cutting a little too close like the fact that um dorinda is responding to lou and leah in the way that she is about anything relating to Dorinda and um, alcohol shows that there's obviously, I mean, we all know this, but oh, we think we know this, but there's obviously a pattern there of behavior when she's drunk and also when she's sober, but that is most exacerbated when she's um, had alcohol. And the fact that she is so unwilling to unpack it to the extent that she sees absolutely no problem with attacking people and essentially says, I will continue <laughs> to poke the bear of the thing that is most upsetting to you that in fact directly attacks you for like maybe the worst moment in your life. And I will yes. do it every single time and never apologize. If you ever come near this, even if that's what the other person thinks friendship is, saying if you think someone has a problem, talking about things as they happen, she is only and ever going to use whatever she can find as, like, a spear. That says a lot about Dorinda. You have a mugshot of your drunkenness. I mean, repeatedly. And when Lou is like, why do you keep saying that? First off, you're saying that to me, and I didn't do anything to you. You asked about Ramona, or I'm telling you what Ramona's saying. When you attack me for something someone else has done, why don't you have enough respect for me for listening as I'm speaking to you instead of skipping ahead? Is it because that other person is saying something that makes a whole lot of fucking sense and you want to shut it down? Because you're on a reality show. The best way to not shut stuff down is to attack in the manner that Dorinda is doing, which makes all of this so much worse for her. And also, it really does appear that Dorinda has absolutely no 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 interest in ever really engaging with what so many women are telling her which is like there is something here whether the root of it is mourning and sadness or anger or fear it is getting blown up 
and you're only super willing to un like unleash the beast when you've had several cocktails or spritzers or whatever the fuck else. Like we need to kind of get a couple layers lower. And why are you trying to hurt us when we're just telling you how you behave? We're, love- not, we're not like adding in any opinion. We're just saying like last night you lost your mind. So why are you losing your mind again? I love that conversation with uh, with Countess this week where uh, Countess is like, Countess is like, you know, when you said last night and she goes, I know what I said. I know what I said. And then she proceeds to like say not even what she said. Right. She's like, that's what I love is that I remember everything. And then Luann's like, remember when you said this? Well, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't, you know, like that. I'm like, why can't you accept? Like, mm-hmm. I accept when I've acted like an idiot, but like, I'm mm-hmm. like, I've had those moments where I'm like, oh man, I went too hard last night. I, mm-hmm. okay. I got to apologize to somebody. And the fact that she doesn't scares me. Like, that's when I'm mm-hmm. like, man, you do have a problem. I didn't think you had a problem until you refused to admit that you, you know, it's like, it's a little out of control. That, that scene a couple weeks ago at her Berkshire's house, when mm-hmm. she did that to Luann and then the mm-hmm. next morning calls her mm-hmm. and goes, I don't, it's the rosé. It's the, she goes, I don't ask you, I, you know what? I don't want to ever use alcohol as an excuse, but just for mm-hmm. this one time, can we? She mm-hmm. uses it all the time. What do you mean? Like, like, I don't, you know, it's like. I, I just th- I thought that was a ridiculous like that was a scary scene how she flipped it on a dime and all of a sudden mm-hmm. everything was like happy go lucky after it was the darkest I'd ever seen her go- tearing into Luann. I mean, one of my all time favorite taglines that I always use as an example with guests when I talk about like the taglines to start each app is one of the my favorite taglines that I've ever done is I see life through rosé colored glasses. And I think about Dorinda in the same way, which is. The way that she views how she handles herself in relation to alcohol, where she's able to blame it on alcohol while denying the existence of large forms, uh, like uh, large amounts and quantities of alcohol and also what alcohol does to her. Like she very much like picks and chooses how she wants to talk about her relationship with alcohol and how it affects her behavior and her mood. I wonder how she watches Housewives and how she watches these episodes when they air. Does she understand the way in which we're watching her behavior where it just feels like one giant sort of amount like level of hypocrisy right she now, doesn't or? she doesn't because she's lean that's what shocked me too on social media dorinda has leaned into her mm. behavior has watched these episodes and has obviously not have a shred of like um you know being apologetic about anything mm-hmm. i've seen her like she'll be like ramona acted ridiculous again not not even counting on the fact that like well so did you and yeah. I, I like Dorinda. Like, Ramona, to me, is very unredeemable in so many ways. And to me, Dorinda, like, is unredeemable. But, like, I'm going to be honest. Like, I think she's acted horrific in certain scenes this season. Oh, 100% agree. And I also think a lot of people put pressure on Andy to hold these women accountable for their behavior. But that's really primarily supposed to be the responsibility of the cast itself. It shouldn't just be one day filmed for 13 hours. It's like, what happened the other 18 or 19 episodes? And so I would think, listen, Dorinda and Lee are getting along quite well. My guess is that you know, during the reunion, they team up, band together with whomever else to hold Ramona accountable and yada, yada, yada. I'm curious next season if Dorinda's back and with my expectation that Leah most certainly will. How will that shift? Because Leah has been public on social about the fact that she's chosen right now in her life to um, live sober. a sober life. Yeah. And proud of so you. Proud she- of you, lady. I'm proud of you, <laughs> Leah. I love you. You're so you're so strong. You're and. She and, is so strong. No, I'm just saying it, but as I'm, yes. wait, Sarah, I'm speaking to a family member right now. Oh, I love so you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so, we're so proud of you back home, babe. We're so proud Vol- of you. 
vocal DMs. He's sliding into her vocal DMs. Um, so with Leah, I'm curious as to how, you know, with the perspective she's had and also, you know, the history that she's now had being on, you know, this show for a season and sometimes behaving in ways that she may or may not regret and I think has held a certain level of responsibility for while under, you know, a lot of, um, you know, pretty intoxicated levels, how that will change and affect her relationship with Dorinda. Is she going to have the kind of conversations with Dorinda that she had with herself? And is Dorinda going to react to her differently than she has with Luann and Ramona and kind of, and Bethany and anyone who's ever brought up this problem that we're still talking about that has had absolutely no resolution because Dorinda is completely incapable of taking responsibility for it or even acknowledging its existence. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Acknowledging the existence and not gaslighting your castmates who are actually, you know, just kind of really concerned and nervous and want you to just like pay attention, please, to this you know, one little moment. Um, listen, Ryan Bailey, I could talk to you. Well, no, it's great. No, it's great. Is what we're going to continue this conversation on Monday. So that's like, we, we got are, our chance. We got our chance. We are doing a pod swap this week. So you guys just heard Ryan Bailey on Andy's girls, obviously. And in, in case you've forgotten what podcast you're listening to, to which I have a couple follow-up questions for you. Um, so we're recording this Saturday. It goes up. It'll go up tomorrow morning, Sunday morning. And then next week I'm recording with Ryan Bailey the host of so bad it's ryan so bad it's good for ryan bailey it's not gonna be bad it's just gonna be a continuation of the good and um, and that'll be on wednesday next week 50th episode oh. there's some not only sarah but there's some amazing surprises if they if they come together mm-hmm. i think it's gonna be a mm-hmm. it's gonna be a really neat episode you guys i really do yeah but sarah's obviously the full but that's why sarah's the, the sarah's the uh-huh. head and Thank then you. there we, we go the the amuse bouche uh-huh. the amuse bouche mm-hmm. will be the rest mm-hmm. of it yeah Sarah's the housewife. There are some friends of, but we really want to focus and celebrate Sarah's participation, which is um, so good and not at all so bad. Ryan Bailey, tell the folks at home how to slide into your DMs (laughs) and follow you online and listen to the pod. Uh, Listen to the pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, every place you find uh podcasts uh it's just so bad it's good with ryan bailey these are long podcasts you guys i i'm aware of that some people don't like them but there are time stamps that you can skip ahead um i uh, also do a patreon where i do recap uh solo shows of like this week i did potomac beverly hills new york mm-hmm. you can go there for a couple bucks a month if you want more i'm giving it away all for free anyway so you might not need that also instagram i love it i <laughs> i love salesman. it well by the way i mean listen we're in a tough time it's always going to be there when you want it you'll yeah you know there's already like 20 episodes up there um mm-hmm. uh instagram so bad it's good with ryan bailey i really really love instagram it's really so fun to interact with all of you guys everybody's a genius on there i laugh every day i learn every day Please uh, follow me on there if you want to and let me know you're from uh, Sarah so I can follow you back. And um, yeah, just come back on Wednesday. We'll continue this conversation because this was a lot of fun and I can't wait for you guys to hear her on Wednesday. Yes, I'm so excited to record with you again. And guys, I'm so excited for um, the first ever Andy's Girls Turtle Time Zoom Kiki, which I'm doing tonight with folks who are the OG of the AG level on Patreon. I just want to shout out all of you. I'm so excited to have a little Kiki. And speaking of all things Patreon, uh, the link to support is going to be in the show notes for this episode. Patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Really, really appreciate everybody who signed up at every level. Um, Listen, 
you know, it's uh, tough times right now. And the fact that you guys are um, such supporters of me and this pod um, means an awful lot. And I just want to also say thank you to the AGs. Listen, I've um, kind of put some people through their paces in the last couple weeks online. And in these episodes, we've been having really intense, serious conversations. And I'm so appreciative that the number one thing that you guys are remembering is not to tell a woman how to use her voice, which is very <sighs> important um but also that you know we're all connected in life um whether it's on the shows that we're watching on tv and also how you know um we just kind of need to talk openly so as open as we talk about Rima, we're going to be open about talking about some other things too and i just want to say you know this is a housewife show at the end of the day and i love talking about all things bravo and i just love and i'm so appreciative that you guys continue to listen to andy's girls and send me so much love and um it means a lot it wouldn't be uh you know, continuing to grow without you guys, without all of the OGs of the AG, regardless of whether or not you're on Patreon, which you will be joining as soon as you finish this episode, patreon.com slash Annie's Girls. And I just want to say thank you and um, how much I appreciate you. And I'm just uh, in a moment of gratitude and um, just wanted to say thanks. So listen, Ryan Bailey, such a joy. Can't wait to do um, the second half of our collab. And guys, slide if, into my DMs. Follow me on Instagram. Oh, tell me. What did if, I you, if, you, if you see Leah on the street, will you tell her? about me i may communicate with leah fairly frequently <laughs> which is why this is also hilarious to me so um, oh my god oh my god put it don't say anything not, weird don't no, say anything I'm, weird. I, I'm, I'm like sweating i'm sweating i'm like oh my god oh my god i'm not going near it with a 10 foot pole um I, I leave that to you um but leah about his fault guys on that note um love all of you uh on instagram at team galley can't wait to sass you soon. Ryan, thank you again so much. All right, bye guys.